doing Blackout today by Candace Owens on the Ben Shapiro list. This is Blackout, how black America can make its second escape from Democrat plantation. Provocative subtitle. <laughs> this was published 2020, just came out a few days ago. Candace Owens is a popular conservative commentator. She had a, a video recently that had like 100 million views in a few days. It's pretty, pretty nutty. But so this is her book. I think it's her first book. And we read it. And now we're going to talk about it. What are the contents of this thing? It's got a foreword by Larry Elder. Awesome, awesome guy, Larry Elder. <laughs> One of the things that he talks about of note is he brings up Barack Obama and how Obama said that the generation, the prior generation was the Moses generation when it came to racism in this country and that we were 90% there. So we were 90% along the way when it came to dealing with racism in this country. But of course, now the narrative is that the whole thing needs to be torn down, that it's a horrible hellscape. And then there was another statistic about how 89% of black Americans said racism posed little or no problem in their daily lives. So to Take that for what you will. Introduction of the actual book. We've got, initially, black Americans voted with Lincoln, the emancipator, the great emancipator. They voted along lines. Of course, Lincoln was a Republican. Soon after that, Southern Democrats began stripping blacks of rights. So they were doing whatever they could to try to impinge on the rights of black Americans who were freed, you know, in the South. And then there was the Compromise of 1877. This is where the Union troops were removed. And one of the major roles that Union troops played at that time was to protect black Americans in the South. So they lost that defense once the Union troops left. Then you get the Depression and FDR. And when FDR hit and the Great Depression, that's when there's a big shift and 71% of black Americans voted for FDR. Or 71% of the black vote went to FDR. I'm not sure which one that one is. But then we have LBJ, which is kind of the big note when he signed the civil rights legislation. LBJ was a Democrat. So that's the setup here of, of where we are when it comes to blacks in America, or at least black Americans. And then this chapter after the introduction, we've got on conservatism. And she's got it kind of nicely structured where you really know what she's talking about in any given chapter on conservatism. First, established, KKK was the Democratic Party. It came out of the Democratic Party. Now, there's this whole thing I saw online, because I wanted to double-check how this is being treated. There's this USA Today article that the, the headline, of course, says that this was false, that the, the Democratic Party did not start the KKK. When you read the actual article, then it goes on to say that it was just part of the Democratic Party <laughs> that started the KKK. Not the entire thing, so that's why it's false. I cannot stand media nowadays. I cannot stand it. It's unbelievable how trash it is. But yes, it was the Democratic Party. It was members of the Democratic Party that started the KKK. The Grand Wizard at the time, I think his name was Forrest, is what I read, actually spoke at the DNC. So this was a Democratic Party thing. And of course, having gone through all of my public education and then undergrad and law school, I think I missed that fact along the way. There was also, uh, I think the first person that was murdered in Georgia by KKK, by the KKK, was a guy named George Ashburn, and he was a Republican organizer. And he was mostly known for being extremely anti-slavery. Like, he was born in 1814. I can't remember when he died, when he was killed. But his big thing was he wanted to completely abolish slavery, you know, just pull it at the roots and leave it at that, rather than having kind of a piecemeal thing. And he was killed by the KKK. And he was a Republican, Republican organizer. And then there was a, a candidate who was going up against, uh, so the Democratic candidate, his last name was Seymour, I think. 
And he had all these talking points about it being a white man's world. And that's how this Democratic candidate was trying to appeal to his Democratic base. And he was defeated by Ulysses S. Grant, who was Republican. And then Owens goes on to say that liberalism is a symptom of remarkable privilege. Leftism is the plaything of a society with too much time on their hands. And that seems to be, you know, incredibly accurate to me anyway. And then we have a, a number of little chunks here where she goes into some biography where she talks about herself and what's how she grew up and what influenced her on the way up and talks about her grandparents here who emphasized respect and her grandfather who woke up at 4 a.m. every day to make this big breakfast for everybody. She recounted a hate crime that she suffered when she was a kid, her, the death of her grandmother, and how something related to her grandmother specifically got her to refuse the whole victim narrative. And a uh, clear definition here is leftism means willingness to infringe on individual liberties for some, quote, greater good, unquote. So that's a big idea, and I think that's pretty—I don't even think leftists would deny this, that they're willing to infringe on individual liberties to serve some greater good, whatever that might be. The next chapter is on family. Important concept when it comes to black— And I hate, again, I know anybody who's listened to this show for a while, they know how I feel about talking about, like, a black community, what we need to do for the black community, what the black community needs to do, or anything like that. I don't like talking in those terms. It's absolutely ridiculous to decide that we're just going to treat them as some kind of a monolith. It's absolutely horrendous to do that just in general terms. But, so when it comes to family, there's a particular enclave of black Americans that are absolutely horrendous when it comes to— having a nuclear family, having two parents in a household. But the point here was that, like we heard, I think, in just the last book, <laughs> it's a hundred years after slavery is when the, the black family starts deteriorating. So this black enclave family starts deteriorating, where it goes from 25% in the 60s up to 75% or more nowadays, where you have single single parent households. So she brings that up, and it doesn't make sense to blame it on slavery when it's 100 years later. And then LBJ, big time LBJ, you know, the one who signed civil rights, he was apparently a, just a raging racist, and uh, he used the N-word with abandon all the time. During his 20 years in Senate, he voted down every single civil rights bill that came his way. And there's this potentially, <laughs> it has not been verified, but there's this possibly apocryphal quote that apparently he said at some point that was, quote, I'll have those N-words voting Democrat for the next 200 years, end quote. And it was supposed to be in reference to the Great Society that he was implementing, and he was trying to marry black Americans to the government through social welfare programs instead of letting them have their own families and self-sufficiency and all that sort of thing. So that's what Owens is trying to establish here. He talks about how welfare is the biggest expenditure in government, and as far as I know, when you add them all together, then yeah, as far as I know, that's absolutely true. I mean, I think Medicare, Medicaid is already bigger than defense spending by itself. Pretty sure that's the case, but when you add them all together, yeah, it's a huge, huge part. It enables destructive behavior when you have these kinds of social welfare welfare programs. It'll allow people to get stuck on these programs and stay on them forever. And Obama, just a few years ago, I remember this, Obama specifically made a speech about how the lack of having two parents in the household in the, quote, black community, end quote, was a major problem, and it was something that needs to be needed to be rectified. This was Barack Obama just a few years ago talking about this. And abortion, big deal when it comes to the family. Uh, apparently, 13% of the population, the black American population, gets 40% of the abortion procedures in the United States. So they're very overrepresented in that procedure. And of course, 13% is the total population, so it's really about 7% are black women. 
who would get the 40% of the abortions, but I'm not sure how they break down the 40% either, so either way, whatever. Uh, Reagan had this to say about abortion. Everybody who is for abortion has already been born, so that's, that's a reasonable point there. Next one's on feminism. Feminism was originally about equal opportunity, but then it became about something else. Women currently live longer than men, and they're more likely to attend college now. So when is it that we say that it's, okay, you have equality, now you're trying to take a little bit more? Owens brings up Brett Kavanaugh and everything that happened with Brett Kavanaugh. Obviously, people probably know most of the details related to that by now, but she specifically ties it to the idea of believe all women and historically what that meant, like with somebody like Emmett Till. Emmett Till was a guy who was accused of whistling at a white woman. That's what he apparently did, and he was tortured and beaten and massacred and murdered for this imaginary crime that they eventually found out that he never committed. So she ties it back into that, that idea of Believe All Women. And then talks about some of the hoaxes that have that have come around. So like college athletes who would lose their place at college, you know, and lose their jobs, all that sort of thing, because some girl lied about uh, having been assaulted by them. One girl did it specifically just to get sympathy from a guy she liked. There's that one issue. I remember this uh, where a kid, he just turned and his backpack hit the back of a woman who was standing near him. And she called the police. But they checked the security footage and saw that it was just him with his backpack. And he turned and bumped into her. Uh, but it was this whole big thing where she's throwing a fit about this and calls the police over it. And then Candace Owens talks about, there's this part about how there are specific challenges for black women. And that white women subconsciously believe they are better than black women and this was kind of a this is one of these weird overstep moments uh, i'm not sure what this actually was trying to argue it was mining somebody's subconscious here <laughs> about uh, you know all white women but uh so it was a little weird but and then we go into on over civilization which is a, a new term i hadn't heard this term before but i think she's got a point in using it here so we've got schools now endorsing voluntary segregation, like affinity housing, having specific housing for specific races, which of course is, is segregation. A lot of schools endorse this thing. And a lot of the rationales for it closely mirror the arguments around Jim Crow laws, uh, you know, when it comes to like uh, safety. They have to keep people safe, so that's why we have to separate the races, which is insane and antiquated. It's ridiculous. So we're pushing for progress to the point of detriment. We already have the freedom to choose, and now it gets pushed to race baiting, fabricating oppression, and calls for self-segregation. So that's where we're pushing it too far. We're getting, we're like wrapping all the way around and getting right back to racism. And then some more, some of the hoaxes around these issues, like there's this one girl who claimed that some white people cut off her dreadlocks, and then they watched security footage, and then she admitted that she fabricated the whole thing when her story didn't add up. There was this one staged attack with this woman who said that she was smeared in feces. And then it turned out that was complete nonsense. She just didn't want to tell her parents where she had been. <laughs> and, but it's the media that pounces on any race story to try to fit this kind of a narrative. And it doesn't benefit black or white. And then there's a liberal savior complex. And although I was a little... <laughs> I was a little reproachful about the whole subconscious of the white women thing earlier. I think she's really on to something when it comes to the liberal savior complex, the extreme narcissism that they exhibit, and how they act like they're helping somebody inferior. And that's absolutely what it seems psychologically that liberals, white liberals, do, is that they absolutely believe that they are superior and they're helping somebody inferior, and they have this extreme narcissism that has no ability to understand the context of what they're doing. And just imagine if whites said, came out and said, okay, well, we want to segregate 
ourselves from blacks so we can avoid the racism of blacks. Uh, it would just be outrage all over the place, but that's something that's being endorsed by colleges all over the place now. And I just saw there was a new uh, thing where a number of black families decided to buy all this land so they could go start a black settlement. Now, obviously, in a free capitalist country, you can do whatever you want, but that's pure segregation, saying we need to get all the whites out of here because they're the problem. And then there's this idea here that she'll go into again when it comes to blame. And if you don't have racism, then you have nobody else to blame for your problems. And that could have a, a big psychological impact on, on black Americans in general. On socialism and government handouts, this is a big part. New Deal was a disaster. It slowed the recovery. And unemployment went up after the interventions related to the New Deal. And minimum wage laws undermine black employees. I hope we can get away from this idea that minimum wage laws are this wonderful thing. That's why I advocate everybody reading Basic Economics by Thomas Sowell. But the, the issue was that black Americans who would otherwise be able to get a lot of these lower wage jobs, when those wages were increased, they didn't have the same skills as their counterparts and then ended up disproportionately being impacted and being unable to get these kinds of jobs. But one of the things like minimum wage, just think about it for a second. What does the minimum wage do? It increases the demand for this particular job. So if you have a, a one this one undesirable low wage, jo low wage job and you increase what you're paying for it, then you're going to bring in people who wouldn't otherwise be interested in this job because they're going to be paid more for it. So now you're pushing out the other people who would have otherwise gone. And that's so the last time that black unemployment was lower than white unemployment was 1930. And then it went the other direction ever since then. And here's a big idea. It's not about truth. It's about goodness. And that just reminded me of the AOC quote where she talked about, it. you know, people focus on being factually correct instead of morally right. And then Anderson Cooper was like, well, y you have to worry about facts, right? And she's like, oh, yeah, no, they're totally important. Don't worry about it. Uh, but it's just that it's not about truth when it comes to a lot of the leftists nowadays. It's about goodness. It's about just saying that we're good, we're moral, whatever else. And they don't care what the actual truth is. That's damaging to everybody. Socialism itself is just a promised goodness. That's what it is. It's just, no, all this good out there. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the details. It's this promised good. We'll get it for you. Marx himself and Engels, they were, they were against the family, the nuclear family, and having strong families. And one of the things, the development, she goes into Venezuela here, and she talks about how capitalism builds walls to keep people out. That's what capitalism has to do, but places like Venezuela and other socialist countries have to build walls to keep people in. <laughs> So you have Maduro in Venezuela, and the problem in Venezuela was not that socialism has been poorly implemented, but that it has been faithfully implemented. Then she goes into AOC, oh my god, this woman, AOC, to point out that helplessness is what's required. That's what the Democrats are trying to enshrine in its base, is to make sure that you have this helplessness. So AOC, specifically around the whole Amazon deal, where she was against this Amazon deal that was going to be bring 25,000 jobs into New York, to her area in New York, and it was going to be built in a poorer area too. So instead of going to Manhattan, where, you know, it's already, the wages are way high, it was going to go to a poorer area, where a lot of people and disproportionately minorities would have benefited tremendously from this. And AOC came out against it and said, how, how can we give them $3 billion tax incentive? We could spend that $3 billion on something else. And she's completely brain dead and doesn't understand what the hell, how the hell taxes work because she was just bartending two weeks ago. Does not understand that when you, 
you have a tax incentive that's three billion tax incentive that comes out of the revenue that is created for the area so Amazon would make something like 10 billion they'd be contributing 10 billion in tax revenue and they would get deferred three billion of that so you don't have an extra three billion AOC you actually just lost out on the seven billion that you would have otherwise gotten so then uh, she was gloating thereafter once Amazon actually did go there, but they ended up going with way fewer jobs. I mean, uh, like a fraction of the jobs that they were originally going to do. And they did it in Manhattan instead of her area and instead of a place that really could have benefited from it, they went to Manhattan. So uh, Owens talks about how self-sufficiency is the key to black success and that a lot of white liberals say that black Americans shouldn't be responsible for themselves. And the implication, or sometimes outright what they say, is that black Americans just can't function at that level. There's this weird white superiority complex that's being advertised there. And then affirmative action and how it harms communities it was designed to help. So Thomas Sowell, of course, we've talked about Thomas Sowell. Amazing, amazing person. He was working at Cornell and he determined that a lot of the black students at Cornell were on academic probation. And it was because they were getting this affirmative action bump, but they weren't prepared for that that kind of rigor. They weren't prepare, prepared for that academic situation. Just like, It has nothing to do with skin color. If you would have put a white person with the same grade, same test scores and all that stuff in the same situation, they would have struggled just as much because that's why we have those kinds of things to make those determinations and then Candace Owens talks about acting white and how she was reproached for acting white in school so being a good student was considered acting white having proper grammar was considered acting white and this was supported again by this the African American Museum the National Museum in the United States had this weird chart that talked about how punctuality and hard work and those kinds of things were whiteness <laughs> so, so it just emphasizes that and by the way she sounded like an amazing kids. She sounded just incredible. Okay, so now uh, just to, to sprint through a, a number of these things here. Then we've got on media, and she talks about how the media is absolutely horrendous, like when it came to Epstein, how they buried the story, and, and the reporter was talking about it, and how when they talked about Trump's diet for eating Big Macs and drinking Diet Coke, that was a big deal, but they didn't talk about or they downplayed Obama's smoking. And I, ne- I didn't even know Obama smoked until I saw 30 Rock, and Jack made a, a joke about it, and I had to look at up because I thought it was just a joke. But yeah, it turns out Barack Obama was a smoker. But media reinforces this victim narrative and then everything around police shootings. I mean, we've talked about it to some degree on here. If you control for rates of crime, then it correlates as well as anything that we can find to the rate of police shootings. So if you go into a white county where it has a high rate of crime, then you're going to have a higher rate of police shootings. That's the way it works. And black officers are more likely to shoot a suspect than white officers, which suggests that there's some kind of extra forbearance on on behalf of white officers related to this. But otherwise, the officers are just acting in accordance with what's going on. And when Candace Owens talks about how when she goes on a campus and talks about this kind of stuff, she just gets booed and shouted down. Next chapter is on excuses, and she talks about a friend of hers, Alexa, probably not the real name, but who was an actress, attempting to be an actress, and she gave up a job offer that Candace Owens got for her, and eventually failed in Hollywood, and then blamed xenophobia and sexism for her not being able to get these parts. Of course, the hilarious thing is that the statistics for you being able to do those things are infinitely minuscule. (laughs) Just in general, it doesn't matter what you look like or who you are or anything like that. And so to blame everything else instead of realizing reality, that's the problem there. And then she brings up Dr. Ben Carson and how he just worked, you know, just worked really hard and he did just fine for himself as a neurosurgeon. 
and how her mom never made excuses. And when you made an excuse to her mom, her mom would say, do you have a brain? Then you could have thought your way out of it. That's it. And this idea, if you stop accepting excuses, people will stop giving them. So I, I appreciate that. She was forced to read books as a kid, and she hated it at first, and then grew to love it, so that's amazing. And then she asked the questions, what if the black community gave up every excuse? They just gave up the excuses. And for, as an example, the things that are blamed, like being black, you're twice as likely to be in poverty in America. And then you realize that if you're single, you're much more likely to live in poverty in general. So that could be, that could be on you when it came to the poverty. And another, there's a lot of wisdom in here, honestly. Uh, I don't know how much came from her parents, how much she's given, but this is quality stuff. Mention no problems without offering solutions. I already wrote that down. <laughs> like, I put it on my, my phone background. <laughs> that is such an important, amazing thing. Mention no problems without offering solutions. I'm going to try to do that from now on and make sure I do that. Okay, on faith. And this is where she goes into probably the most affecting area where she talks about the history of black culture and how important it was and how positive it was and all the things that should be motivating people today instead of all the negative stuff that is used to motivate people. So things like Amazing Grace and the faith of the slaves fulfilled. Big idea here. So you had people who were under the yoke of a horrible system, who were in the throes of slavery and suffering every day, and they had this faith that something good would come out of this someday. And now today, you have it where no matter your skin color, you can be a billionaire, you can be a millionaire, you can be a doctor, lawyer, whatever the hell else. And it's a fulfillment of those slaves who were just dreaming of this thing happening, dreaming of this faith being fulfilled. They had faith in it, and it came about. So that's a positive thing that people can look to. Now Owens talks about how there's this drop of faith. Now, I'm not religious, you know, I think it's all nonsense, but I see I see uh, the use of it for sure. I think her grandfather or somebody she was related to said something about how it was the hippies, the hippies ruined everything, and I'm 100% behind that. But there's this drop in faith, and you're losing this base of Christian value system, so that's that's a big deal. On culture, so it used to be soul music. That's what it used to be about, and the soul music was about family and about love. And I wonder how much of that made it into current Southern music, like Southern rock and, and that kind of thing. Because a lot of that is about family and love. And But now we have rap, obviously, which is about a lot of not that, not those things. And then she talks about Clinton with the hot sauce, which was one of the most cringy moments in history. And then Biden with the you ain't black stuff and how Democrats believe that black people are stupid and they're just going to fall in line no matter what. And then she brings up her video about George Floyd, which got the 100 million views in like a day and how David Dorn was kind of the breaking point for. Her. And that was I mean, that was a breaking point for me. I could not believe how the media treated that guy. Just in case anybody doesn't know, uh, David Dorn was a retired police and he was going to help protect a store, a friend's store when the George Floyd riots began initially and he got shot to death. And I just, God, because he didn't even wake up his wife, you know, he, he was worried about waking her up and he was just going to go help. So she had to wake up and learn that he was dead without even knowing that he had left her side. I, I mean, that's, and this is exactly the point that we need more David Dorns. We don't need more George Floyds. Okay. David Dorn was somebody who protected his community. He worked his entire life. You know, he got to the point of retirement and he was trying to do the right thing and he got killed. And George Floyd, I mean, top to bottom was just doing all the wrong things and had overdose levels of fentanyl in his system. And this is the person that gets lionized and David Doran gets forgotten. It's, it's absolutely horrendous. 
There's a statistic here, police 18 times more likely to be killed by an assailant than uh, the other way around. So it's much more likely they're going to lose their life. And there are probably details to that statistic uh, that I, I didn't pick up in my notes, but they're definitely more likely to be killed than the other way around. When it comes to, I'm sure that's unarmed assailants. So on slavery, now, got all these white millionaires talking about reparations as some kind of a, a carrot at the end of the stick for black Americans today. Uh, slavery has existed everywhere in the world. Uh, it's one of the longest running institutions in history, along with prostitution. Native Americans participated in slavery. Uh, they also did some cannibalism. They dabbled in, in some cannibalism. And Owens points out that white men were the first to abolish slavery. It was the British, then the French, then the Americans. And they were the ones to first abolish it. And they were the most determinedly against it in the early days. And then we have people like Colin Kaepernick who go to Africa and tweet about it, how it's great being in Africa without knowing that there are 700,000 slaves in Africa today. Okay, then we get to the conclusion where Owens kind of makes this plea to black America, primarily telling black America, be free. No politician owns you, just be free. <laughs> That's the most important thing. Talks about Donald Trump, but really she is saying that you're not wedded to any political party or political position. You have to figure this stuff out for yourself. Okay, what's the analysis here? Analysis. Uh, it's a personal history with a kind of baked in political argument. It's mostly limited in its scope. You know, it's talking from her position and saying, okay, here are the things that I learned. Here are the important things culturally. So it's it's kind of like the Ben Shapiro book that we, we read about where it, it has some broad arguments, but it's mostly kind of talking about a cultural and philosophical bent that people need to have as opposed to trying to rigorously go through history or some kind of a scientific argument or something like that. She did not exhibit a whole lot of humility when it came to establishing any of her points. So she gets knocked for that. <laughs> Because that's, I mean, it's really important to make sure, and I understand, you know, what she's trying to say here, and that it's really important culturally to get these ideas across. But it's still really important to exhibit humility where you can't be sure what the result is, you know, in any given case when it comes to the evidence that you're citing or the argument that you're making. It's still important to have that humility. I mean, each chapter here could have been 10 books by itself just to talk about each one of these topics. So I understand to some degree. But it's mostly as correct as you can be in this type of book, you know, the type of book that she's doing. And there were some areas, like I said, that, that I pointed out that she seemed to overstep a bit. And uh, I like this idea of over-civilization. You know, I think this is an important idea to, to consider, is that we've gotten too far. Once we get legal equality, what does it look like then when it comes to progress? What do you do after that? Okay, big picture-wise, the really most horrible thing that the left does right now <laughs> is to treat black people as a monolith. They just, it's the most bizarrely widespread and racist thing that I've seen. Even the idea of Black Lives Matter is treating black people as a monolith. And liberals specifically do this all the time where they pretend that black people are just all the same. They have the same interests, they have the same concerns, they have the same experiences. That's absolutely ridiculous. And it's utterly and unrepentantly racist to treat all black people as a monolith. So this is something that just needs to stop, needs to knock it off, and it needs to be called out wherever it's seen. So there we are. That was Blackout by Candace Owens, and I enjoyed it. It had a lot of important ideas, and I think it's it's one of those things that needs to happen historically so we can get back to this idea of having individuals and not groups of people. I will never forgive the American left for the way that they've acted during this whole presidential cycle. It's been absolutely ridiculous. 
Anyway, <laughs> that's the last coffee house. If you uh, like what I do, if you appreciate it, you can go on to Patreon and support the show. As I always say, I will keep doing it no matter what, but I appreciate any kind of support, and I hope everybody has a good one. All right, I'll see you. Bye. Bye.